Stand-up comic joke it up one time. Fun day. Fun day. I've got a text to send. Yeah. <laughs> All right. This is the podcast. Let's talk about sets with Harrison Tweed and Jeff McBride. It's a show where we nerd out over the science and craft of stand-up comedy. Our guest today is Pete Ravello. Hello. And we're going to get started by listening to We Like War by George Carlin from his 1992 special, Jammin' in New York. And the war got good ratings, too, didn't it? Got good ratings. Well, we like war. We like war. We're a warlike people. We like war because we're good at it. And you know why we're good at it? Because we get a lot of practice. This country's only 200 years old, and already we've had 10 major wars. We average a major war every 20 years in this country, so we're good at it. And it's a good thing we are. We're not very good at anything else anymore. Huh? Can't build a decent car. Can't make a TV set or a VCR worth the fuck. Got no steel industry left. Can't educate our young people. Can't get health care to our old people. But we can bomb the shit out of your country, all right? Huh? We can bomb the shit out of your country, all right? Especially if your country is full of brown people. Oh, we like that, don't we? That's our hobby. That's our new job in the world, bombing brown people. Iraq, Panama, Grenada, Libya, you got some brown people in your country. Tell them to watch the fuck out or we'll goddamn bomb them. Well, when's the last white people you can remember that we bombed? Can you remember the last white? Can you remember any white people we've ever bombed? The Germans, those are the only ones. And that's only because they were trying to cut in on our action. (laughs) They wanted to dominate the world. Bullshit. That's our fucking job. That's our fucking job. Now we only bomb brown people. Not because they're trying to cut in on our action, just because they're brown. (laughs) Now you probably noticed I don't feel about that war the way we were told we were supposed to feel about that war, the way we were ordered and instructed by the United States government to feel about that war. You see, I'll tell you, my mind doesn't work that way. I got this real moron thing I do, it's called thinking. And I'm not a very good American because I like to form my own opinions. I don't just roll over when I'm told to. Sad to say, most Americans just roll over on command. Not me. I have certain rules I live by. My first rule, I don't believe anything the government tells me. Nothing. Zero. Nope. 
And I don't take very seriously the media or the press in this country, who in the case of the Persian Gulf War were nothing more than unpaid employees of the Department of Defense, and who most of the time, most of the time, function as kind of an unofficial public relations agency for the United States government. So I don't listen to them, I don't really believe in my country, and I gotta tell you folks, I don't get all choked up about yellow ribbons and American flags. I consider them, I consider them to be symbols, and I leave symbols to the symbol-minded. <laughs> Me? I look at war a little bit differently. To me, war is a lot of prick-waving, okay? Simple thing, that's all it is. War is a whole lot of men standing out in the field waving their pricks at one another. Men are insecure about the size of their dicks, and so they have to kill one another over the idea. That's what all that asshole jock bullshit is all about. That's what all that adolescent macho male posturing and strutting in bars and locker rooms is all about. It's called dick fear. <laughs> Men are terrified that their pricks are inadequate, and so they have to compete with one another to feel better about themselves. And since war is the ultimate competition, basically men are killing each other in order to improve their self-esteem. You don't have to be a historian or a political scientist to see the bigger dick foreign policy theory at work. <laughs> it sounds like this. What? They have bigger dicks? Bomb them! <laughs> and of course, the bombs and the rockets and the bullets are all shaped like dicks. <laughs> it's a subconscious need to project the penis into other people's affairs. It's called fucking with people! So, as far as I'm concerned, that whole thing in the Persian Gulf was nothing more than a big prick-waving dick fight. In this particular case, Saddam Hussein had questioned the size of George Bush's dick. And George Bush had been called a wimp for so long, wimp rhymes with limp. George has been called a wimp for so long that he has to act out his manhood fantasies by sending other people's children to die. Even the name Bush. Even the name Bush is related to the genitals without being the genitals. A bush is a sort of passive, secondary sex characteristic. Now, if this man's name had been George Boner, well, he might have felt a little bit better about himself and we wouldn't have had any trouble over there in the first place. This whole country has a manhood problem. Big manhood problem in the USA. You can tell from the language we use. Language always gives you away. What did we do wrong in Vietnam? We pulled out. <laughs> Not a very manly thing to do, is it? When you're fucking people, you gotta stay in there and fuck them good. Fuck them all the way. Fuck them to the end. Fuck them to death. Fuck them to death. Fuck them to death. Stay in there and keep fucking them until they're all dead. We left a few women and children alive in Vietnam, and we haven't felt good about ourselves since. <laughs> That's why in the Persian Gulf, George Bush had to say, this will not be another Vietnam. He actually used these words. He said, this time we're going all the way. <laughs> Imagine an American president using the sexual slang of a 13-year-old to describe <laughs> his foreign policy. 
If you want to know what happened in the Persian Gulf, just remember the names of the two men who were running that war. Dick Cheney and Colin Powell. Somebody got fucked in the ass. <laughs> Yeah, that's, uh, that's that bit, that bit. I let's. Uh, well, first of all, the theme today is dark humor. That is what we're talking about. So, buckle up. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's the best. Yeah. Someone got fucked in the ass. I like, uh, and it's like, uh, and it's it's all under the guise of a dick joke too. And it's all just one big. And yet it's, you know, it's the best. It's so, uh, yeah. you know. So good. It's so good. Um, I, I, I have so much to say about this. This was a formative bit for me. What year is this again? 92. This is 1992. He's talking about the first Gulf War. Yeah. Which is, uh, it could be 20 years later. I yeah, mean, it still works. It still works. <laughs> it still works. I mean, it also tells you, like, the, that the names are still relevant to how fucked we are. You know what I mean? You got Dick Cheney still yeah. there. Well, not Colin Powell so much, but... It's just interesting, like, you know, you didn't have to change the names. You didn't even have to do that. No, not at all. I also thought it was interesting because um, at the beginning I was, uh, I, I hadn't heard this bit before. And um, mm. sometimes Carlin bits are hard to listen to as like, when you're like, as a comedian to listen to, because a lot of times they start like this one does, which is like, oh, he's got such a built in audience that right. he doesn't have to do much like joke writing legwork you can literally just he be thinks. like exactly so he's just saying his opinion and i think that's i mean that's great that we all want to have an audience like that of course um yeah he wasn't at the clubs working it out you no, know what I mean? no. not, it has, doesn't have a punchiness to it but he relieves the, he relieves that tension very well, well that's though. the dick when the, when it starts becoming the dick analogy mm-hmm. it that's when it's like oh fuck yeah he could just he could be a person that isn't george carlin and as long as it's this detailed and structured this way you could you know talk about the subject matter like it could you could see that like any club i remember listening to this and being disillusioned and feel like that thing that you do when you're a teenager and you start to go wait a minute the world's not the way it's supposed to be right um and in particular i was very sheltered so that was a it was a i think a bigger shock for me than other people and george carlin came out of nowhere for me and and was like I'm going to talk about these things in a way you've never heard before. And I'm going to get you to laugh at these incredibly difficult elements of human nature. And it was such a release. And I I would look at, I would want to talk about it with people. And they're like, why would you want to talk about this? So so we can laugh about it. (laughs) Yeah. They didn't even get it. Yeah. No, not really. That's what I connected with my best friends in college. We were all into Carlin. We were all listening to this stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And also I like the deconstruction of, you know what I mean? Just by boiling it down to... Like a dick thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, because, I mean, it's also like a comedic, like, way to, I don't know, express some heavier stuff. I mean, you can't go up there and start talking about mm-hmm. geopolitics and, like, mm-hmm. really make it, you know? I mean, you gotta, you gotta bring it down. You gotta bring it all the way down. Yeah, you gotta bring it all the way down. And it works. It and does. It, but you can, so that's the only way you can talk about two things at once. Like, there's no way he can kind of get preachy and then he has to undercut it with, kick the legs out yeah, from under exactly. a little bit yeah just, yeah just and it, he's and he's still way preacher than most than modern comics so much preacher do. <laughs> do you wonder why that stopped i don't know why what what, what was that it's was not it's it's tough it's we were, we were talking about it before that like political humor it's like feeding a dog a pill you gotta wrap it and like you gotta put in peanut butter yeah. Yeah, but it's weird. Like, it's not really political. I mean, it is political, but it's not like right or left political. I mean, he's he's talking about broader things. It's not like he's well, saying, hey, he's these anti-nationalistic, Democrats. and that's definitely 
hmm. uh, uh, taboo. I, yeah, I, I, I don't know if it's anti. I don't. I don't know if it's well. I guess so. It is. I, th- I would say it's anti jingoistic. It's like it's he's going. Oh, really? You think you're so great? Because you're supposed to. That's if you're nationalistic, jingoistic. You're. That's you're. It's Wait, so great. How jingo mean? Jingoistic just means uh, patriotic to like, ferociously patriotic. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, okay. And you know he's 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 saying no. These are not good choices. This is these are not good things. I'm gonna sh- I'm gonna rub your face in it. I mean I think that's definitely it's tough. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but again, like the built-in audience thing. You know, I like to see that. Yeah, clapter, 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 clapter. Yeah, yeah. But to be fair, uh, I I could just again, it's not really attacking right. I think people even on the right kind of feel that nationalism sometimes not it's not great. So I, I think mm-hmm. it tra- mm-hmm. you don't have to be right or left. Mm-hmm. To like, so that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know if it's necessarily. I guess it is political. But I guess when I think of political, I think of Bill Maher, who's yeah. like, who I can't. Oh, I can't stand. Well, him. I well, really can't. Oh, maybe we should split the hair here with there's political and there's partisanship. Okay. Like, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, like he's not being partisan, but he is being political. Mm. It's politics. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, yeah. the choices to go to war or not, who we're gonna bomb, all that stuff. Like that's politics, but it's not necessarily partisan. He's a third party. Yeah, he always but, says that. Yeah, 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 yeah. The fucking, yeah, there's a the view from nowhere. Yeah. Where it's funny is when you take yourself removed from the whole thing. Yes. I want to I talk about some of the things he does. Okay. Like, I really like when he, free, he just starts out, immediately starts to point out something that nobody really wants to look at. America bombs countries with brown people. Yeah. That, to me, when I was young, was eye-opening. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, fuck. The facts fit that statement. Yeah, yeah. Uh, whoa. And then he, and then he, boom, it's our hobby. (laughs) Okay. All right. And and then he's white. And then he goes, oh, but wait, we did it one time. Uh, it's the Germans. And then, and then, oh, uh, bullshit. That's our fucking job. And then he does, I love this, this maneuver where he's, 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 he's got the, that's our fucking job. That's our fucking job. Oh yeah. That silly over the top, uh, old man Carlin thing. Sure. Boom, boom, boom. What's that? Onomatopoeia. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's fantastic because he's, he's, it's just so dark. It's just so dark. Right. I and mean, yeah, exactly. The, the reality is, right. If that, I mean, yeah, if that was the reality that, that we just happened to like bombing brown people, I mean, that's just, uh, you know, that's, that's pretty funny. I mean, really. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, no reason. No. <laughs> no, it's, no, it's not an ideological thing. It, it's just brown. It's just a <laughs> hobby. Yeah. It's just. <laughs> that. And I like how, um, again, he's, he's, he's really going after, uh, he, he, throughout his, his later career, he hates teams. He hates groups of people. Yes. Um, I he, love that. Yeah. That excerpt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. He can't stand it. And so he goes into that. Um, cho- I don't get choked up about yellow ribbons and American flags. And in this joke, I've never forgotten this joke. It rings in my head over and over again. It's just simple. It doesn't get much of a laugh. I leave symbols to the symbol minded. Sure. I love that yeah. pun so much. Yeah. It's a great yeah. pun. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, it's. It's weird. He definitely walks the line a couple of times. So, like when you listen to it, you're like, okay, a little too much here, and then he brings you back. And then the, mm-hmm. you know, to have a pun. I mean, puns are like the lowest form. People hate puns, you know. And yet he's yeah. like, you know, he he makes it work. Puns, dad jokey, delivered jokes. But those are those things where you have to be like, it has to be covered in brilliance, and then you can just tag it in the middle. Right, exactly. Because then it's like, well, that's well, exactly where it was. It was and, in the middle. And also, I think when you make 
those little puns, the audience is like, I've made okay. a joke similar to that before. We're okay. relatable. Yeah. Hey, maybe he could be my buddy. Maybe, yeah. I, I feel like it's just like a like wink of like, like, and this is something for the back of the room. Or also, the sometimes I think like, the room. like he's just like, that was, just, I can't not have that in. Like, I just, like, sometimes you, like, in, you ever been editing something? Like, you're, you know, like your jokes or whatever, and yeah. you're like, it's fine, but for some reason you just like it so much. Like I just have yeah. to put. I think it's one yeah. of those things too. He's like, I just have to put it in. Uh-huh. I know it's not like. The, I would imagine all of art is like that. Like where where you just. I bet there's a part in the Sistine Chapel. Uh-huh. <laughs> Michelangelo was like, I know that doesn't look good. I love. I love it. I I just, I'm not. I'm. I'm not erasing that. I don't even know how you erase chapels, but yeah, right, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I imagine. Yeah, this the sort of. Uh, I don't know what that. Is. That's an interesting like instinct to just like no it's not good i know it's not good but i like it <laughs> isn't it so funny that the jim jeffries gun control bit which is a fucking great bit mm-hmm. just as um like poignant and and it just dark. like tackles yeah dark and um tackles a huge issue but it's so funny how different they attack it like george carlin just gets to be like this is yeah, how I believe it's it so to be. But so different. The, the, the background is so different. I know, he but... He has 40 years of experience by the time you get to that special. And also Jim Jeffries yeah. a foreigner. Yeah. So it's kind of weird to have somebody from another country. But in terms of reception, like, these are being received the same way. Every Like, I'm sure at the time that went the equivalent of viral. Um, like, that was like, did you see the new Carlin bit on war? Mm-hmm. Probably. Um, gun control bit. I mean, that was put on every major news network. It still gets the same reaction. It's just a different way to approach a really devastating subject matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then, and then we're back to dick jokes. Where he's like, <laughs> I, I love how he starts to make the associations. His associations are fantastic in this. Um, the it's when he names it uh, Dick Fear, mm-hmm. right? Boom! Now you have something to ta- you can hold on to that right. uh, Dick Fear, and then it's the bigger Dick foreign policy theory at work. Yeah. Oh, I just, it, it's such good language. And then it, boom, shaped like dicks, bush genitals, manhood problem. Like, boom, 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 boom. George Boner. George Boner. Yeah, George yeah, yeah. Boner. You know what's so funny is I always listen to Carlin and sometimes I'll be like, yeah, but these ideals are like played out. And then I'm like, oh, no. because he made yes. them. Okay. Yes. Yep. I, that's the only thing that's like my mind wanders is like, I feel like I've heard this premise. Oh, because he invented it. Exactly. I feel the same like, way when I listen to, to Richard Pryor. I go, yeah. I can see how good this is. I'm not laughing. Oh, because every comedian since then has been a derivative of this. Yeah, yeah. Come on. Let's talk about sex. Okay, so dark humor. I was thinking how there's a contrast between that and blue humor. You have black humor and you have blue humor, right? Mm-hmm. And with black humor, it's, it is, uh, with dark humor, also known as black humor, it, it is specifically mayhem, death, destruction, entropy in general. Okay. Um, Whereas blue humor is gross. Blue humor tends to be the taboo is that's gross. It's bodily fluids. It's sex. Prude. Prude. Sure. Things. My life is in shambles. Um, is that blue? I don't. Yeah, think- like like the Louis Louis talking about his disintegrating body parts and like that's blue it's oh gross. If he's, yeah if he's talking about it's his, just yeah, like that's not just oh if oh things aren't going well for me but but <laughs> yeah, when, yeah. He's, when he's in the body he, yes shit. yeah when it's like this is how fucked up my shit is right now <laughs> like that that i would say is more blue because yeah. dark is more over right. arching things right 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 mm. yeah i'm thinking about like the the, the difference i don't know I, yeah i mean blue they're related they play together 
Yeah. Like Blue Hump's dark leg. <laughs> if a comic can do one, they'll probably can do the other. That's fair. Yeah, I'm just thinking like, well, Blue, I think... I don't know. Like, is it, yeah, it's a matter of like grossness, but it's also like just it's it's just gratuitous sometimes. I mean, you can you can be you can have dark humor without blue, right? I don't know. I like and I like both. I mean, I both are too. great. Yeah, I, I think they serve a little bit different purpose. There's a certain joy I think that people take in being a little grossed out. I know I do. Sure. Uh, like, and whereas dark humor, I would argue, I think the more I was thinking about it, the best dark humor to me is thought provoking. You're gonna walk away and you're gonna think. Is this right? Is this wrong? How could it be? Why is it like this? Right? You know, you don't walk away from blue humor going, why are fart noises sound like farts? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? It's grounded in irony. Yeah. Dark humor employs irony a lot. And that it, it and it points to truths that we often don't want to see. And I think that the people who like to do dark humor, who appreciate dark humor, are often like brokenhearted idealists. Uh, and that they're, they've, they've covered themselves in this veneer of cynicism, but you scratch that just a little bit and underneath it is there's, there's that idealist still sitting there. Yeah. yeah. No, I think that's true. Right behind every cynic, there's an, an idea like, yeah, I, I, yeah, I think that's true. I think, uh, I, I feel some way about that, but then I don't know the, the farther you get away from that idealist, it's like, uh, you don't recognize it anymore. So it's like, it becomes something else. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's necessarily... And I think that's then that's what happens. And you can see that with Carlin's later stuff. He loses a little bit. It's like mm-hmm. it's not funny anymore. His well, last right. two specials. And people, you could, you know, there's some it's, things you like, but as a whole, it's like this isn't. Yeah, it's like his cynicism. Fun to watch anymore. Stop being a shell. Right. Exactly. It's like you now. This it is became is a, more. Or it grew. It kept getting thicker and thicker until more of him was a cynic than was an idealist. Yeah. Like he just he just evolved and evolved and evolved. And then all of a sudden mm-hmm. he can't even recognize, you know, the thing that he evolved from anymore. And he's just, you know, completely an island. Isn't that kind of interesting to watch like Louis transformation too, from like shameless to now or like, Oh my God, is one of your favorites? It's way um, less punchy. I found. Well, it's way less punchy, but also have you ever noticed like at the beginning, he's like, you ever just go somewhere and you just like you pick people to hate like that? He was just talking about hating, mm-hmm. th- like hating things and people and customs and shit. And then like and oh, my God. And some of his other specials, he's like, life is amazing. You should enjoy your life. Like it's such but it's the same audience. And he took them there with him. It's so interesting. To see well, I'm that curious there. to see at the, yeah, at the end of his life or at the, <laughs> at the end of his like comedy career, what his last specials are going to be like, they're probably going to be like polar opposites of Carlin's and it's going to be unwatchable for their own reasons. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's also just like an old man talking, which is like the number one things I, the one thing I tune out of. All right. So you, yeah, you have dad problems. That's mean, it's so obvious. Oh like, no, but he's like 75. That's a, who? Oh, that's almost my, my mom is like 65. Yeah, wow. yeah, 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 yeah. They're stepping in that real hard. Yeah, Do you not like police? You know, What's going on? Sometimes old men know stuff, dude. I mean, I know you haven't had oh, one no, to tell you man. things, but like. Wait, when yeah, you ever, <laughs> like, you ever feel like Louis C.K. is going to abandon you? You ever feel that way? <laughs> you ever feel like, like one day he's just that's not going to so do stand-up anymore? Is that just me? Anyway. You, you ever feel like yeah, Louis C.K. is going to really old... upset your mom by just not being there anymore? Right, exactly. Old women, they know shit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> old women know shit. Old men right, just they don't know have been getting away with rape for so long. and then they Old they, men just getting leukemia. You know, that's just what they fucking. He was in his 40s. Your dad? Yeah. All right. 
<laughs> so it was, it was like oh, Jeff Sage. Runa. Good joke. It's coming, Thanks. buddy. Um, yeah, yeah right. I know. <laughs> God forbid we forget your dad's dead for two seconds. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is actually the first episode where that's been brought up. Yeah. Really? It's the first time? Yeah. Wow. Well, I, mean, I think Drew quick, always but... brings it up. Hey, the only reason probably... I haven't brought it up, man, is just I just don't give a shit. I just, I, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. yeah. Um, Roast them. See that Do pertinence. not talk about. Oh, God. Um, I, I, nope. I don't. We gnome, haven't even joked gnome. about the thing I was about to do a joke about. <laughs> We haven't. Okay, Why not? <laughs> so Why not just break ground here. You know? <laughs> oh, we were. Let's get ugly. Actually, mm, well, actually, speaking of ugly, let's let's introduce uh, Peter. Speaking Rebello. of ugly, oh, uh, <laughs> you should be smoking a cigar and like, you know, I don't know, like a little Vlasic pickle delivery. <laughs> speaking of ugly, <laughs> Peter. Rebello. This guy's a real uh, <laughs> turnip. I don't know what old people talk. Oh yeah, he's just said. Came out of the ground. He's dirty. I don't know, what the fuck. <laughs> I, you know what? You turnip. reach down and sometimes you get air. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Peter Ravello yes. is a stand-up comic hailing from the venerable borough of Staten Island. Oh, yeah, he performs all over New York City, including New York Comedy Clubs Club. Clubs and colleges. <laughs> <laughs> Broadway Comedy town. Club. The Creek in the Cave. Uh, the One Train. And one Tribeca train. Comedy Lounge. Uh, let, let me just rest. I don't take the train. I have a car. <laughs> and uh, I don't... Uh, Participate in Performs those plebs in a things. 2006 Camry. <laughs> so, so you got the year right, though. I gotta say that's pretty good. It's 2006 Trailblazer. Yeah, I yeah. love your car. So I like it. This it's is very car. roomy. With his background in philosophy, he is oh, an absolute powerhouse of a writer. He's one of the few comics in our scene where the I see other comics consistently shut their notebooks to actually listen to when he gets on stage. Oh, yeah. So we are really excited to have you on, man. Thank you so much for doing the show. Thanks for having me. Uh, this is a lot of fun. I like talking about stand-up and dark humor. I'm glad I could be here for the... The real nitty gritty. Mm-hmm. I like that. That's what I like. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like we're gonna have to add in like some sound effects later. Just boink, <laughs> like <laughs> boink, boink, boink. Just to make sure everyone knows that we're we do comedy here. <laughs> so uh, I always like to ask this question. Um, I just because I feel like it's just a deep enough question to get started. Like, why stand up for you? Just have to do it. I don't know. It's weird. I remember like my girlfriend didn't even know. Compulsively is weird. Yeah. I mean, I did yeah. it when I was like, I, I, uh, I did it the first time I was a 16. I was 16 when I first what? did it. And I didn't uh, know that. Yeah. I did it for like a few months. My mom bought me comedy class. He's 18. So. You don't know. Yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, no, it's like uh, she, she bought me comedy classes because she didn't open mics. I mean, she's a fucking yeah. CPA. She knew about see, open mics. She'd be a that's loser. a good mom, Harrison. That's a good mom. She's a great mom. I think my, my mom and your mom would get along. Probably. We'd drink some sangria. Yeah. Did your mom smoke cigarettes? She, yeah, she quit. Yeah, she oh. quit like a year, like a year ago though. Like she's very f- okay. kind of fresh off quitting. I'm still smoking. smoked my whole life. Yeah, so they're gonna, they, they get along. But anyway, uh, yeah, so she got me comedy classes. I did it for a few months, probably like five, six months. And I got, they had like, it was a bringer show. Now I know what all these things are. Yeah. Now retroactive, like, oh, I was molested. That's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> so the people know, hold on. Oh, sorry. Uh, so the people know what that is. A bringer show is where you get to perform right. if you convince a bunch of your friends to come and spend money uh, to like watch you perform. Like 50 bucks a person uh, It's expensive. Yeah, it's the drinks plus the cover. And so... Um, and that's very common in New York. Right. And when you first start, you don't know that this is a little rapacious. It's just weird when a comic that does comedy and writes jokes and performs them like 
tells young comics to do their bringers. Like it's a weird, it's like you started like me and this is what you are now. Mm-hmm. You know what I think it is? I think it's like, you know, in the Holocaust, <laughs> you know, in the Holocaust when they had, uh, you know, they had capos, they'd make the, uh, you know, like, um, they elevate some of the people to watch, you know, the other, you know what I mean? So it's like, uh, it's kind of like that. Like she just kind of, wait, no, no, please tell explain. All right. So the I thing really is, like you don't know. So, so in the Holocaust, <laughs> let's start the Holocaust. Not great. Okay. No, the thing is that what happens is uh, <laughs> when it was good, they had have, it ends in a dick joke, right? No, it doesn't. <laughs> it's in pain. Six million people. Um, no, but the, the, the Germans, instead of having their own guards, watch them, they'd elevate, Somebody say, all, all three of us were in the Holocaust, oh right? And God, they, they picked Jeff to be like the capo. Why to be I like, gotta, I feel I, it just makes you type A very, you know, again, very mm-hmm. rigorous. <laughs> the train's got to keep running, baby. I got to keep the time. You'd make a great Nazi, dude. It would. It would. The really would. I, I would like get, to mention that my mom's a Jew. My no dad's what? a Nazi, so I really feel right. like I know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Wacky, come on. How'd they get together? You're that skinhead, story. so it's like you're even... <laughs> how did they, how, how did they the meet Cuse? Uh, <laughs> I mean, you know. Okay, wait, no, keep going. They no, both no. love trains. I really want to know what you, you mean. Well, that's this. what it is. So it's like they'd elevate uh, one person to watch the, everyone else. And when I was reading about it, it's interesting that the people who were elevated, hmm. who were Jewish, were actually more cruel than the Nazis because they... So I wanted to distance themselves. I do love that. I love that analogy. It's really great. Your mom bought you classes. Mm-hmm. And uh, it culminated in like a, doing a show at Caroline's. And I did like okay enough where the guy, slime ball. Uh, so he was like, you're funny, but the people, not everybody in your class are going to be asked to do another show. So he asked me to do another show, bring people. You're special. I was special. Yeah. They, I was picked yeah. from the herd. Mm-hmm. I was 17 Anointed. and I did very poorly um, because I, you know, I, don't know, I didn't have any practice since the last show. And then uh, th- that kind of took me out for a while in yeah. college. Tough, right? How did that feel? Uh, you know, I was getting high a lot, so it hurt for a little while, and then I just <laughs> smoked. You numbed it out. Yeah, I smoked like a blunt, and I was like, it's all right. And that's the problem. That's the problem. He's anesthetized. But yeah. anyway, so I. I uh, tried to kill it for a while and in college, and I was just like, I can't. I never stopped writing. So kill the urge. The, to yeah, do I tried it. to kill the urge to do it. Yeah. Like, That's not practical. It's whatever. So it's like, uh, and I just couldn't get rid of it. And it's finally, at 24. Like, it's al- almost like, like I'm gay. Yeah, yeah that's, oh, what it was, that's what it was. It was like, I'm a gay guy. That's I was, like. was going to say, almost like um, uh, when you're in a, in a sexless relationship, and then you're like, I don't need this. I, it's fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I don't. I don't need to. I don't. It's fine. I don't care. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't care. Yeah. I can do. This. I don't. I mean, why? I. You know what? They don't want it. I don't want it. Exactly. <laughs> Did you have a sexless relationship with your wife? Is that what happened? I would never say absolutely. A lot of projecting going on. I love that. <laughs> Louis C.K. is going to leave Harrison, and then you're talking. I'm talking about comedy, and you're like, I wasn't getting late in my marriage. It's like, well, okay, here we are. Uh, <laughs> But uh, no, no. So that's what happens, and uh, I couldn't get rid of it. And my girlfriend, we were dating two years uh, before. I'm I mean, like, you I brought up gay. I just, just want to say, like, that's true. Right? Yeah, yeah. And I was like, like uh, two things I love: comedy and just hot cock. I mean, just I can't. I'm a. I got a weakness for punchlines and dicks. Cop tonight. Like really tonight. shimmery dicks too. Yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. It's preferred. Like okay, big, so so you tried to you tried to to push the urge away. Push the urge away, but my mom always knew, right? Another. <laughs> <laughs> she always, she, they, the moms oh always God. know. The moms always know. <laughs> so yeah, and then I just uh, I started doing it again at twenty four, and 
my my first uh, this is also goes back to why I somewhat hate the Brooklyn guys. My first open mic was uh, the Pine Box six. Mm. Six o'clock. Imagine starting Pine Box. I love six. the Were idea you as opinionated mom... as you were back then? Oh, yeah. I hated them. I hated them so oh, much. Oh, no. I mean, in, in your stand up, so that they would hate you. I don't even know what I was talking about. Turn. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was, it was so awkward and clumsy. I love the idea it that it's is. sort of like your mom's like, look, I know you like it. It's fine. And <laughs> Why is my mom like, trying to fuck me? That was weird. Like, <laughs> like, I know you like it. That's, like, that's, what? That's how your mom talks <laughs> to you. Can have it. Yeah, she's it a very too. breathy. I, yeah, yeah she's Marilyn Monroe type. Yeah, she's very. Uh, she's suggestive. Happy birthday. <laughs> Saucy Guinea. Yeah, 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 no, every birthday was like that. Happy birthday. <laughs> she's actually Irish. You're two years old. Oh, happy is? birthday. Yeah. Little Petey. Yeah, it was so great. <laughs> I, I love it. No, no. Um, that your, I love the idea that your mom was just like, I know I know this is what you want. I know. And then you're like, no, I don't want this mom you don't know and then later on she's like she's like honey it's okay yeah and then we Comedy's embraced okay that's so i love you anyway that's yeah. the opposite and i whisper in here stories. what's the deal <laughs> we hug and embrace we're crying i'm like oh, this is who i am and i just <laughs> you ever notice <laughs> and that's that's how that started you ever notice how much i love you sweetie <laughs> right See, oh my also my mom's uh, irish her name's maureen hughes so that's the most irish shit ever you know saucy guinea i think mm-hmm. that uh i i would say to your uh with stand-up fish it's fish and water for you, I, I see the way the way you think, the way you the way you write, even the way you are on stage. There's an ease that you have. I don't know how much you're hiding in terms of nerves, but it seems like there's almost none. Well, that's what happens. Like, it's, well, that's why I wanted to get up. Like, I, I I was telling Harrison before, like I cut down on how, how many sets I would do in a week. But the first first three months, I was trying to figure out who did it the most. I I get to Osama. He's telling me yeah, he's doing yeah, twenty five. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, what More the fuck? I can't do twenty five. <laughs> yeah. I could do 20 because of the commute. You know what I mean? I could mm-hmm. do that. I got up to 20 and I did that f- for close to two years. Mm-hmm. And uh, now I'm scaling it back because I, you know, the nerves kind of went away a little bit. I mean, you still have them, but it's, mm-hmm. it's, it helps. When I drop, yeah. when I drop below 15, that's when I start to feel the nerves come back. I, I still, I'm still pushing through it. Still punching through it. Yeah. No, yeah. it's, uh, it's, 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 it's different for everybody, mm-hmm. you know, but I, I found that that worked for me. Uh, just sort of just bury yourself into the work and just keep going out. And I think the site is seven it? sets in one night. It was like one of those, I'm like, all right, that's enough. And then sooner or later you kind of, yeah, this why'd anything. you choose dark humor? I'm just curious. What's it means to you? That's how I think. I always think about it. So I, my, that's my initial reaction is dark. Always. Mm-hmm. Every time I write a joke, the perspective is always going to go dark first. I'm trying to get away from that, obviously, because you don't want to be divisive, right? You don't want to be so, well, light, device, we don't be so one dimensional. You have like a very light carefree attitude yeah, so it makes allows it work. you to do that's it what i think that's well. what helped yeah exactly so i'm like oh this is a bummer it's like oh come on you're light sort of you're gentle also you look like very non-threatening yeah um uh and i'm sure the ponytail helps feminize you a bit dirty hippie yeah, yeah. sure <laughs> i'm wearing a floral pattern shirt right now yeah. it's a very nice shirt yeah really like it's it. five o'clock somewhere huh boys <laughs> yeah yeah come on let's talk about sex Let's play some of Peter's material. What's the name of this one again? PC Cemetery. It's a little, the, 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 on the recording, it's a little shorter. I go into more about, like, well, you can play and I'll talk about it oh, after. Yeah. I, used to, I work in Brooklyn now, but I used to work in Staten Island. And that was tough because I worked with, like, but they were, like, retarded. Like, that's the problem. <laughs> Listen, that word's back, by the way. I don't know if you've noticed, but it's made a big comeback. And I'm thrilled. I'm pleased as punch. Well, because I didn't get to say goodbye. One day it was gone, and I grew up with it. I just miss it. So much. <laughs> I just want to pay my final respects, you know? 
So I wish there, were, there was a cemetery for words you can't say anymore, you know? <laughs> Put some flowers down. I miss you every day, Chinaman. Every day. I think about you. <laughs> I miss you. Uh, thing about that, by the way, is unfortunately Pete suffered a catastrophic loss, lost all, almost all of his recorded material recently. So, oh, and that happened to me two sucks. weeks ago. This is the third time this happened. Really? You know, I swear, and I still don't back anything. I up. love. And neither of you learn. Neither of you learn. It is. It I know, is. I, yeah, right now, right. Cool. That's uh, so cool. Aren't we cool? Uh, Just yeah. that we lose everything it we work really for. Drives. It's like, oh god, I think I have such so a self-destructive, cool. so laid like, back, self-destructive, mm. but maybe. Do you know what I have? You know, like in terms of possessions, I have a car. And then I have... Uh, well, now you're bragging. I have, right, yeah, right, that's true, right. And New York... You know what I have, guys? No, I have a, a dresser. It's, a, it's, not, it's a, like an end table, and it's full of clothes, and that's it. I have books really? and clo- I have nothing. And you live where? Your girlfriend has all the... You live in Staten Island? Mm-hmm. So how big is your room? It's big. I've lived in a big yeah, apartment. Yeah, see, that's what I'm saying. Now you're bragging. Wow, well, you have room for a dresser? That's incredible, dude. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I've seen you, but you have, uh, you have room. Let's not ruin what I just said. That's all right? true. <laughs> yeah, you have a fucking projector. That's I what you have. I'm not here. Yeah, this is the nice place. For, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's crazy. So he's trying to pull it on me. Oh, rich guy over here. Like, you're living in Brooklyn. I don't understand. I'm living in fucking Staten Island. <laughs> I really felt myself I'm not like, the one who started bragging here. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, all I have I, a yeah. car. Yeah, 2006. So it's, it's uh, old enough wow. to be molested. Wow, it's, a, it's past the millennium. That's incredible. It's in the new thousand era. Uh, I mean, come on. That's incredible. I've heard that bit. Mm-hmm. It's, it should, it's, a little, it's usually a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. And, uh, what, are the other, what are the other parts of it? The other part is that it, if there's going to be a cemetery, then there should be a hospice. So you can get like the time in with the words that are going out. Oh, my God. The words that are dying. Amazing. So uh, the one I settled on is ethnic. I think ethnic is one of those like, all right, that's not... You know, you heard neighborhoods described as ethnic, and you're like, all right, just say Hungarian. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> just say Dominican. Like, this, you're not the, you know, and especially the, the, and what I would really call my attention was ethnically ambiguous is like, whoa, that's mm. what I hear is, I can't figure out what combination of not white you are, and it scares me. I don't know yeah. what that is. <laughs> oh, God, you're right. <laughs> ethnically ambiguous. So that's like ethnic is on its way out. I think that's one of those things. Mm-hmm. I think like midget somewhere. I don't know. It's like, but ethnic is like the you're one that's, un, that's a linchpin. You're pin. unambiguously uncomfortable with people who are not white. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Like you have a, yeah, ethnically yeah. ambiguous. Like, boy, that's, that's like the 21st century mulatto if I've ever oh. heard of. <laughs> pleased as punch. You say pleased as punch. Yeah, I, don't I know love that's Right funny. up the, but just, just very, your word choice is very, it's, it's fantastic. It's just. That pop, pop, that those two plosive sounds right off the bat. Yeah, alliteration's fun. It's so good. It is. Um, and then also, you didn't get to say goodbye. Yeah. What <laughs> I love about that yeah, it's is it's very. It communicates a wistfulness. Mm-hmm. At the same time, it's it's very conversational, and I it, you you you're weaving in darkly the death of someone. Sure. To this absurd concept of i just miss these these words but it's not even all that absurd because because it is interestingly sad to see the words that you used to use go away. yeah there are a few i don't I have, like i don't want back like i don't care about some other ones but i didn't really use them you, because reads i mean retard was like boy that was that was great i find that I would, tard no, no. always hits tard 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 yeah all, you take the take the r off of it it helps a little bit i don't know yeah. man yeah. people people are starting to get super triggery about that one i even i had someone get upset with me by saying i'm direct i'm direct dotarded just saying describing how bad i am at directions and mm-hmm. they're just like yeah come on well that's just a bad joke though <laughs> oh, <laughs> fair, 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 fair. Not- <laughs> tough but fair uh i really enjoy where you go with the hospice piece Actually, oh wait mm-hmm. um do you have a part where you 
talk about the ones you are glad to see go. Like you're glad they're dead. Uh, yeah. I mean, but it's, it's, it's kind of weird because you really can't, I don't know. It's not fun saying the N word, like the, not even just the uh, actual yeah, right, N word, yeah. but this, just saying N word, it's very clunky. It's like yeah. in terms of word, it's the, the yeah, it's, the connotation's horrible too, but it's like just uh, syllable wise, it's very I know weird. It just hangs. So it's like, I can't even, like, I don't want to nice. say it's like, it's, it's, but I like the, I don't know. I love the idea that, uh, that you can be, there are some people you're glad they're dead. Yeah. Like nobody, it's like, I, nobody wants to bring Hitler back. You know, hate yeah. to go Hitler. It's che- cheesy, but like, oh, but, but, you know, nobody's like, ah, oh, I wish, where, where is that guy? Yeah. You know, right. Maybe exactly. a few people are, but most well, people are. Well, yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, and there are some words like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like I had mixed feelings about like fag, like I, I but that's like, uh, you know, I don't even want to, I don't even use it really anymore. Mm-hmm. Like I, 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 you know, it hurts mm-hmm. people, but mm-hmm. retard, I don't know why. I just love it. I just love that word yeah. a lot. Like, it's a great oh, it's silly retarded. word. Like I said, like, I love saying it. Retarded. I never really said fag. I no. I thought. I think faggot is funnier. Really? Yeah. Got if faggot. It's no. just got a silliness. Well, as you can tell by the, the uproarious. Like if you if you've been called it enough. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, oh no, I just meant. But I was just talking about in terms of like the yeah. the structure of the word itself mm. and the sounds. It like fag always just sounded like a lame slur, and then faggot sounded like it might carry like you know like a wagon or something. <laughs> <laughs> about the faggot down the highway. <laughs> you can't get them faggots on those side roads. Too big. It's like jalopy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Jalopy. Jalopy sounds like a bi- Oh, that sounds like an a Emily Lynn bit, but j- like, it sounds like, no, it sounds like a big fat Italian penis. <laughs> like, it does. got a fine jalopy. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about dark humor, uh, last night when I was preparing, I've been wanting to do this topic for a while. Yeah. And I love, love dark humor. It's not for everybody. Mm-hmm. So I sat there and I thought, well, why, why do I love it so much? What does it do? I think of dark humor as sort of like you're laughing into the void. Sure. It's a way yeah. of dealing with the violence that we do as human beings, the cruelty that we, that, that is part of life, that life feeds on life, that death is inevitable, all that stuff. And it's like, oh, we know that we're burdened with this knowledge and dark humor lets us laugh at that knowledge it lets us it's, it is the release from that for a moment yeah no i think so uh kurt vonnegut had i forget i was trying to find the quote but it's basically like a belly laugh comes from pretty much just unmasking like the real pain of mm-hmm. being a human and it's you know it's it's just that's so true i mean that's mm-hmm. how you trick somebody mm-hmm. yeah. just kind of mask it and like bring it up and it's just it's it's like a, a gut reaction like you can't even help it that's why like the biggest laughs come don't come from like the well-written jokes these little like artifacts, you know what I mean? The little machines that work. It's like the bigger ones come from painful things, you know, not necessarily a deep, painful. Yeah, a deep irony about existing. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair. It's yeah. also interesting. Uh, Cause we're all comedians and I wonder how like non-comedians feel about this, but I always feel way better about my relationship with someone if they roast me on the harshest things in my life. Like Daniel <laughs> Rader strong is one of my best friends. Mm-hmm. And almost without fail, when I see him, he will be like, if I mention something about a father figure, he'll be like, or like a dad, he'll be like, what, how do you, would you know what that's like? Cause yeah. my dad is dead. And he <laughs> just roast me about it. And the funniest way when my girlfriend and I, I realized it was subconscious, but I was like, Oh, I think we're getting to the next level. 
when she essentially made a joke about my dad being dead and she's very sensitive to that. And I was like, Oh, this is, you really know me. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, I'd like that. I uh-huh. feel like it's, we want to talk about those things cause they're important to us and that we don't know how to bring them up in a way that's not solemn. That's like a fun, like that's, that's like a nice little discovery when you meet people and you start to become friends with them. And like, there's some people you can't make that joke about some people like, Oh my dad's dead. And like, it's like a really like harsh for them. And it's like, mm-hmm. all right, well, but then you start to meet people and you're like, Oh, I can make fun of this. And it's like, okay. It's, it's like, Oh, that, that, that little like testing the waters. Like, cause that's like the funnest part. Yeah. And then you, know, you then you sit in it, and it's like, all right. And it gets old, and you really don't bring it up anymore, right? I don't, at least I, I don't. I don't know. How uh, one of the uh, I, I made friends with my best friend in college, um, and I had even fewer social skills than I do now. And I uh, immediate I was like, he he's diabetic. He's mm-hmm. very 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 touchy about it. He by the way he helps edit all these episodes. He's great. Right. Um, and uh, I'll, you know, lay it, off the uh, sugar, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> So he's diabetic and he was really self-conscious about it. And I was, I was just like, I was like, God, he's so uptight about this. We were just starting to be friends. And I was like, I start, I refused to call it insulin or whatever. I, just, I called it his syphilis medication uh-huh. and, and in public all the time. And, and then I'd be like, Oh, are you feeling diabetic again? And then he, it just like, he started to eventually started to lighten up. He started laughing about yeah. it and it became this thing that we sort of bonded over. Uh, which was just that, that sort of like he, he had, there were innumerable things about me that he would, uh, uh pick out like that. Sure. And it was, it was, it, it's, I don't know. It's so humanizing to be able to laugh at our own, our, our foibles and, and make fun of our friends about theirs. Yeah, totally. Yes. Yeah, some people can't do that. Some yeah. people don't like, no, no, you can't make fun of them. I don't know how to deal with those people. I don't know either. <laughs> I think that when we laugh at dark humor, you laugh at it but also uncomfortable at the same time. And it's those two are happening at the same time with yeah. dark humor. Um, and it's because it's, it's heavy on taboo and it's not just taboo about sex or crudity or any of that stuff. Like it's not gross out. No. It's the darkest side. It's the dark. I don't want to use the dark. It's death, destruction, mayhem, murder. It's all those things. And it's taking, it's it, it, the goal is to make people uncomfortable at the same time that they're laughing. And I think that that cocktail produces thought. Yeah, but it's also a way to like to distance yourself. Like if you look at like cops, like nurses and paramedics, like they joke about like gallows humor. Yeah, I mean because you, it's like you can't you can't live like that. You can't live mm-hmm, and yeah. be sad for every person that comes in is decapitated. You know, it's just I mean, like it'd be exhausting. So you kind of have to put up a like put up a bit of a defense mechanism, kind of distance yourself. But through that, but through the distancing, you, there's a, there's like a closeness through that, that only, you know, maybe you and that other guy, you know, you and your friend who's mm-hmm. also a cop or a nurse or whatever, mm-hmm. you guys share that. Cause you're both medicating with laughter. Right. Yes. And, and it's, it's, a, it's an acknowledgement like, yeah, this is fucked up, but we can still, you know, have a laugh about it. Maybe there's a distinction to be made here between dark humor that is... Um, social criticism, criticism of humanity's foibles and gallows humor, dealing with death or a tragedy. Yeah. Maybe there's a distinction to be made between those two because they do seem to function a little bit differently. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think that, uh, the gallows humor is more of on an individual level. Like, I don't like that's, that's less comedic stand-up comedy. You know, that's more of like an interpersonal skill. Mm -hmm. I think the gallows humor I can't. Can you guys think of like a gallows humor joke that you like uh, from a comedian? Sure. What's one that's, that really stands out? Uh, we're not going to play it here, but um, 
Was it? I that? love. There's a. There's a. There's a. Um, an entire bit that uh, Doug Stanhope does. Yeah, on his nice. mother's uh, suicide. Um, that okay. where she, she's, she's, she's dying anyway and he helps her and it's, uh, I won't do it. I would, there's no way I could even begin to communicate it, but it's beautiful. It's totally gallows humor. They're like, the last thing he says in it is as she's fading away and they're saying their goodbyes, he goes, wait, they found a cure. And uh-huh. she laughs, whatever. I mean, that's very gallows humor. It's <laughs> really yeah. funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's brilliant. Yeah. I guess the difference, I think, between what I'm thinking about is like it's something that's happening to you, so it's like a shared experience. Doug is what he's doing. He's like um, sharing his 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 like experience of that with us. Mm-hmm. Whereas it would have to we'd have to go through the same thing. I don't know. There's like oh, a, you're saying that so gallows humor typically functions as um, a here's shared this, experience. this uncomfortable, difficult, painful thing. Now let's deal with it. Sources. Sort of. Uh, where it's humanity, social criticism, stand up on stage. Yeah. Then here you're bringing people into thinking about this concept or this idea or this event. Mm-hmm. Now let's deal with it. So it's like yeah. one is shared. The other one is communicated. Right. It's more. And also it's also more of a knee jerk thing. Like mm-hmm. you have to set it up as a stand up. But if it's the immediate, you know, say if you experience again, something, some kind of trauma, and you're an emergency service. I keep going back to, I think it's like a better, you know, example, or like you're in war, that, yeah. that quick line, that quick something mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. that, I think that's, that's really right. more gallows humor, just sort of. I mean, it's like, it's almost like you could distill it down to laughing at a funeral, like where you're just like, oh my God, I can't laugh here. Yeah. And then you start. And then you're like, I yeah, can't. You're I gotta, so I, not supposed to. So not supposed to. Yeah, those are those are the best those are the best laughs. <laughs> right? They <laughs> really are. It's really fun. It's guilty. Yeah. But you're just like, oh, there's a guilt it, laughing feels so good. <laughs> it does. <laughs> yeah. My uh my friend died like um about a year and a half ago. He was like my good high school friend and he um we he was a very he was a very charismatic very weird guy. He was a very, he, he drank a lot and he would have like, he was kind of, he was one of those guys. who was just like a wild child. And, uh, he died and, uh, he died in a car accident. And then we went to his funeral. I was one of the pallbearers and my, his best friend, one of my best friends, Sam, uh, Stonehouse did a red, this thing that he sent, because do you remember when LeBron James went back to Cleveland? He wrote that letter to the city of Cleveland, and like they read it all of it. It's like I'm coming home. Um, no, I didn't. Know Nate, that. Nate, my friend Nate died. The one that died, he went back home to Durham once. So when LeBron wrote that letter, he wrote a sarc- like a, a version of his, and it was um, it was like he was just this. <laughs> very fat like weird boisterous alcoholic guy so he just kind of made a satire of that letter um when he moved back to durham and so during the funeral sam my friend read that letter that's so inappropriate to a group full of all like hundreds of grieving friends of nathan and nathan's Mm. family how'd it do and it killed so hard (laughs) like it was one of and it was like release this yeah and it's really it he uses the word "slutes" in it. It was like very, but everyone just kind of had this collective like, like I mean, it's something that like if you read that to his parents when he was alive, they might be like Nathan, but 
in this like really traumatic moment where you just miss that person mm-hmm. that you used to tell Nathan and like get mad at, mm-hmm. it just brought everyone together and everyone just missed him in that moment and missed how inappropriate and it was. I and think, how- I think that's one of the beautiful parts about dark humor is it just, it's, I, I like to say this laughter's not the best medicine. It's the best pain medicine. Mm-hmm. And, and like dark humor lets us deal Mm-hmm. I think dark humor too is like inherently what's built into it is misdirect because it's because uh, mm. you're always talking about um, sadness in a, in a very real, like a very compassionate sort of way. Yes, oh, he died. Your son died. How sad. How sad. And then you subvert it by being like, what was it? You know, what an idiot. You know, it was like he had a comment. Like, you know, what was his name? Skip. Your son Skip died. That's a dumb name for a kid, but <laughs> I'm not happy he's dead. But all the same, I mean, it's, it's the fact remained the same. Skip is a stupid name, and it kind of it's it's a, it's a you subvert it. So uh-huh. I think, I oh, think, I like that. So there's a there's a built-in misdirect into the very idea of dark humor, yeah. which is um, you t- you're taking someone to a dark place, mm-hmm. and then. Boom, it goes Switch into it. this absurd right turn or whatever. Yeah, or, or did you, uh, yeah, just even talking about it, you know, it, just just like, yeah, deviating a little bit. Mm-hmm. We'll get a laugh. Yeah, and uh, right, right, right. Because you, 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 the more you talk about that dark subject, the more tension you build, the easier it is to pop that tension. It's one thing. But an attitude nailing that time, that timing of how much tension can I build before people are over it? Right, but you have to be human. You can't be like a sociopath, you know. Like you kind of have to at least. Well, there goes like, my fucking career. Thank you. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> well, the thing is, I think like that's what it is with dark humor. You know, you have to at least outwardly like empathize a little bit, and then you can make the turn. That's actually my. Uh, I, I had a, a theory. I don't know how much water it holds, but I think that uh, dark humor is is. It comes from the most sensitive individuals and often from people with a very strong moral code. Yeah, I, th- I think that's true. I think it's more the moral code thing than mm-hmm. maybe the sensitivity. Okay. Um, but the moral code thing, I think that's, that's, that's always the case. You know, people who are more willing to talk about it, they're not doing it. That's why they're, they're talking about it, but they're not doing any of the gross things that they, mm-hmm. you know, or the dark things that they're talking about. Mm-hmm. You know what I realized, though? That everyone that gets offended by jokes, none of them are um, funny. <laughs> they're they're never funny they're they're always the kind of people that humor intimidates them and frustrates them and they can't participate in it it's like you never look have, i don't like sports because i'm not good at them <laughs> well, have you ever you've gone to we've all done shows in brooklyn and there every once it doesn't matter how good the show is there's at least one person uh Usually a gal or a skinny guy with glasses Mm -hmm. that's in the crowd that is just not understanding why everyone is enjoying themselves. And just like I'm always focused on that person and I always want to make that person laugh. But you just it's like that's ridiculous. But it's just there's never a person that's getting like outraged about like Dave Chappelle's trans uh, joke. Mm -hmm. That's like that was like just chumming it up at the part. Oh, God, was he ever just the ball? ball. Yeah. And then just like, yeah, but that fucking that was transphobic. Like there's never that turn. I think it's um, it's almost trying to find an enemy in comedy because you can't create it or you you don't understand it. I think use. that's just how they, that's, I think that's just how they perceive Like the, that's how they perceive the stimuli. Like everything's just words. There's no, mm-hmm. there's no inflection. There's no, <laughs> yeah. it's just like, 
So if you just experience everything as just words, and like, yeah, you're going to be offended a lot. Especially the comedy, you know. They're, they're just, it's, it's this, my, like it's presenting like the facts. Handed pieces of paper right. what the conversation's it's, about. Oh, well, it was a it's like this verbal yeah. myopia where they're just like, they're just like, you're like, well, no, 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 there's context here. And well, like, you're like, um, it's not it's never tranny no okay i was defending the entire like i yeah. can't say that well i wait whose side are you ah yeah like well, i think it's, it's like more like a colorblind thing like they just don't see that they don't see the shade they don't mm-hmm. see it it's mm-hmm. like uh mm-hmm. they don't see color they don't see color they often say they, say they like don't that, see color or... that's because they don't see it they don't you know they, yeah. they, don't, they, don't, they don't know the difference between burgundy and red so it's all reds and <laughs> then you're gonna be offended all the time yeah. i uh kind of th- I, I was thinking about this because I used to do a joke that was a very quick joke and I don't think I I, I haven't done it in forever mm-hmm. but it would always make me really really upset if it offended an audience because it was about my dad dying and because the joke was that my my father left me and my mother when I was very young and mm-hmm. my mom keeps making excuses for him and it's like come on mom you're buying this shit leukemia and then <laughs> And it's just like a quick joke and it would work. But if it didn't, it was just like, oh, and I even added a tag to it. If people got offended, like, oh, I'm sorry. I it's like, sometimes I do these jokes. I, I, I totally forgot you guys were so close to my father. I'm sorry. My dead dad is making you sad. Yeah. 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 (laughs) It's like he widowed his, my mom, but he also widowed all of us. Right. (laughs) All right. This next bit was chosen by Harrison Tweed. Tweed, tell us. Um, yeah, I chose this bit because uh, we've talked about uh, dark humor in relation to like bringing light to hard subjects to talk about. Mm-hmm. Whereas what I like that Jesselnick does, and there's a lot of comedians that do this too, um, that they use the darkness as a sense of tension, mm-hmm. and they'll the punchline will often be either a wordplay or a misdirection or just it, it won't end the way you think it will in terms of you brought me into this dark place and it's kind of a release. It's not, it's not really trying to make us feel better about these things. Mm-hmm. It's more just Tension and release. Yeah. Yep. And it's, and it's like grazing the darkness rather than, or it's a situation where it's so much of like, you have no idea where it's going. And then the darkness is so like, it's a quick punch. Mm-hmm. Um, it just released. I, I, I just think it's a, another way to do dark humor that I really, really enjoy. And I right. think it's done, but it has to be done perfectly. So this is by Anthony Jesselnick. It's called Tear Head Off Easy. It's from his 2016 special Thoughts and Prayers. Yeah, I've got a nice place. Try to keep it nice. Not always successful. Like I tried getting a puppy. Disaster. Had to get rid of that puppy. Had to get rid of that puppy almost immediately. The first time I left it home alone, the first time I left that puppy home alone, that damn thing tore my entire place apart, shit everywhere, and starved to death. (laughs) Why are you mad? I'm the one who couldn't get his money back. And this is traditionally where crowds really start to turn on me. After I kill a puppy with neglect. And it's okay. It's okay. You can get mad at me. You can hate me. You can hate me and still laugh at me. That's how talented I am. And I'm used to it. I'm used to it. Hell, I once dated a girl 
who punched me in the face as hard as she could. Once dated a girl, punched me right in the face as hard as she could. I didn't do anything about it. I didn't say anything about it. I just turned around and left the room. But in my head, in my head, all I was thinking was, oh, now we're even. <laughs> so mad she got mad at me she got mad at me because I killed all of her plants killed every single one of her house plants and she had told me she said Anthony I'm going out of town for two weeks give each one of these half a cup of water every other day but I'm a dude all I heard was two weeks and cheat on me <laughs> Like my neighbors in LA. My neighbors in LA have got this smoking hot, smoking hot 18 year old daughter. I mean, she's perfect. But she just got a tattoo of a butterfly over her chest, which is horrible. I mean, doesn't she understand how dumb that's gonna look someday? All stretched out over my lamp. <laughs> Yeah, that's a joke. That's a joke where I'm a serial killer. <laughs> and I'm very open about it. Don't you dare tighten up on me. <laughs> I hate sensitivity. I hate it. Even when little kids get sensitive, that makes me mad. <laughs> I got a six-year-old nephew. I asked him what he wants for his birthday. He said, Uncle Anthony, I want you to get me a Barbie doll. I said, fuck you. <laughs> you six-year-old piece of shit. <laughs> and don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I don't care if he plays with dolls. He can wear dresses if he wants to. But I'm not getting him a Barbie doll. You see, Barbie dolls give little boys unrealistic expectations. <laughs> of how easy it's gonna be to tear off a head. <laughs> I won't do it. Oh, God, it's so good. Wow, I, I, oh, such great, it's a perfect example, Harrison. He, he's so good. He's just the best, I just love, it, dark one-liners are so hard to write and he just writes and performs them like better than anyone I've ever seen. Yeah, no, it's uh, I, I, it's funny. Anytime I listen to something I haven't heard in a while, uh, anytime I haven't like, uh, not even or ever, I've never really heard that joke. But it's always fun figuring out what the moves are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I watched up. you. You were like, you were yeah. almost like counting cards. Yeah, it's like watching Raymond. Yeah, you could hear it. I'm like, all right, all right. And then what he did was the last one was like, all right, the misdirect. I thought he was going to go in a different way where he's going to make it like a a Bozzy which is body positivity work. thing. Mm -hmm. So it was going to be like, oh, Barbie doll, give him unrealistic expectations. I thought he was going to go basically saying like that, that women should be hotter or something which is the ob yeah, yeah. obvious the right. obvious misdirect right? right and then he went to tear the head off I'm like ah i liked it because it kind of that uh unrealistic expectations part 
it gets an ovation from the women because they're kind of like, yeah, fuck we that. And that's this. kind of interesting because it was like a misdirection, but now you're redemptive. Uh-huh. And then it was like of tearing off a head. Murder. And it's like, ah, he's back to his normal yeah. tricks. I love it. But I also it. think that's a, it's a fun in a way, by going so far out, he was removed himself even from like completely, like oh, any uh, censure. Like oh, that wasn't very female positive. Like, it was nothing positive. It, it was, was nothing. Yeah, yeah. he's he, he completely he There's sets no it up like he's about to make this statement about body positivity and things like that, and boom. It's a compl- it's just it's genius. The mm-hmm. puppy one though is my favorite oh. because oh my god, I just it's... think he sets his jokes up so well so that you have no idea what's coming. There's certain <laughs> jokes where they're and more the, his, obvious that what's coming. He does a very specific. He repeats the setup. Yeah, which goes against Punch all me the right rules. Right in the face, right? Knew a girl that punched me punched right, right in the, the face. face. Yeah, yeah. It goes against all the rules. It gets like it's which is you know you word so? economy. Why say the same thing you just said? But he just. He's very careful. But that's all Chris Rock Seinfeld. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, clarity is like so important. Like that's something like I'll get caught up on like writing a joke. You're just communicating an idea at the very basic level. You're communicating an idea that you had to an audience. So preciseness and like also clarity is key. You got to make sure we know what this premise is. But you can have this funny punchline. It's like. But it comes out of left field. Like, all right, well, doesn't make it. You know, you have to have and this in, connection. In the vein, it's uh, it's the words precision. Yeah. Uh, well, I think <laughs> what you're saying is right, though. In the sense, um, like, it's w- unusual to do that as like a one-liner comic. Mm-hmm. It is. It's not unusual to do that if you do these long-form bits, like Carlin yep. repeating, repeating, right. Chris Rock repeating. It's repeating. unusual in the word economy that he's going after. Exactly, because mm-hmm. it's only like a three-sentence joke, or maybe even two, like. So maybe it's a way to stretch it out a little bit. I love the way and and to build the tension a bit. Yeah. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, and you separate the distance. I love what you said. I, I mean, really love what distance. you said. To remind yourself, take a step back and be like, I'm communicating an idea. Mm-hmm. You can get lost in the words and the in the weeds and the sounds and the. Uh, but it's if the idea isn't communicated, you failed. It's a failure. Yeah, yeah. and to be like, oh, is it is it funny? Well, yeah. I mean, it's good to have a funny idea mm-hmm. to communicate a funny idea, but you got to get good at communicating. Clarity, clarity, clarity. Always. I think that's something that you are absolutely fantastic at too. Mm, you are you are when you are communicating a premise um it is it's super super clear i i, I would you, say that's yeah. a towering yeah. strength of yours. So, thank you we were just talking about how you instrument like the way you set that bit up was so specific to you and it was like a very original because you could have said basically the bit is about do you want to set like do the setup at the least set, the setup is uh that i have a superpower uh, from being raised because I was raised on Staten Island, I have a superpower, and the superpower is I could tell how much Vicodin somebody's on at any given time. <laughs> like if I see your pupils are dilated and you're like ball, 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 it's like you know that's 135 milligrams. This guy, <laughs> and uh, and it's like uh, basically it's, it's like this the worst. It's not a good superpower because nobody's happy to see you, and I'm mm-hmm. only good in one scenario. That's when a couple's fighting, and she's like, I know you're taking drugs, John. He's like, I'm not taking drugs, and I'm like, he is. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, right, exactly. And they're like, we hate you, Staten Island man. And as I'm leaving, I go, the real villain is denial. (laughs) It's such a good joke. It's a little fun. Um, In this one, though, with uh, Jesselnick, um, what I love, to bring it back to dark humor here, (laughs) so dark, is um, one of the things I like about this is that he's punching down. Which one? Well, he's punching down. You're laughing at... Um, the pain of others. You're laughing at. Is like, that punching down? Sure. The victims are the the victims are the joke. 
No, wait, wait, wait. In punching down. When you're punching down, you're it's it, you're it, you're not, not. There's no underdog that he. There's no oh. underdog here that's 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 being protected. He's not comforting the afflicted. But it's not like I feel like punching down is is related to more of a bit that is attached to the actual person doing it where uh-huh. it's like i don't like this kind of part it's look, like when look, i look, so look you like talk about like, serial killing and there's somebody who's a victim of uh, who's who knows somebody or was serial killed <laughs> then th- like there's there's victims involved and mm-hmm. he's not comforting anybody involved with that no but it's I, totally punched i don't know i think I, I, thought, I thought punching down was more of like a um sociopolitical thing where you're punching down in the sense that... I think it that, has a few different contexts. So you can be like, oh, like Chinese people or, you know, I don't know who's being like, I'm just making a black joke, but it's very like... I think it's any victim. But he's not really talking about the victim so much. He's just talking about it in an abstract way. He's not, yeah. he's not, he's not setting it in a particular Dead instant. dog, beaten woman, killed person. Uh, like, I mean, come on. He's, he's even like, at one point, he's even just like yelling but, and screaming at his, at his six-year-old nephew. I think you're And right. I know it's all a joke, of course, but I, it's, it is... But he's not going after, him gay. It's going after the victims. But he's, not, he's, not, he's not like, oh, my six-year-old. He says it's not because he's gay. And then he takes it to an absurd place. But, but, but you're you, saying the reason. It's still, it's still, I, don't think I think it's still down. an element of, um, I think it's still going after the, it, it, it's you know what, the It's not expense. being empathetic to anyone. True. But I don't think, punching down is, I feel like he's not making a social stance or. Here, here's I think you're what, defining punching down too narrowly. Um, I think punching down is anytime there's victims and they're the butt of the joke. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think that he made, uh, I've, but there, I feel like there is a word for that or like a term. So, for, so general. I mean, it's just like, but like, he, so, so think about the way he enters the stage. He, he said that his biggest inspiration comedically is, is Brett Easton Ellis. Brett Easton Ellis wrote American psycho, like mm-hmm. less than zero. And you can see that, like, the character he is on stage is kind of like a Patrick Bateman character. Patrick yeah. Bateman, the, the character in American Psycho. So it's already in this, like, wash of, like, he's a, he's a wild, insane lunatic, ri- literally kills people, kills puppies, kills mm-hmm. children, uh, cheats on his girlfriend, like, uh, uh, molests women. Like, all these horrible things that it's so out there i guess i i guess what i'm saying is i never even thought it never even feels like punching but down. okay but for a second let's just take yourself out of it you're watching that you're you're watching this and you've been beaten and you're a woman i'm not trying to i'm not trying to yeah. look, i'm not trying to ruin it all i'm saying is that like is that there is as Osama right. said, there's any every joke has to have a corpse, and yeah. in this case, the corpse is not some highfalutin, <clears throat> uh, powerful person. It's somebody who's a victim of something. Um, and I'm not, and again, I'm not attacking yeah. it. I'm just saying I think that's the def- very definition of it. I guess, but he's such a good writer and so like just look. Cr- he does it well. Yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> I know. I but I I guess what I'm saying is I didn't even realize. You're right. That is punching down, but it's so well hidden that I've never can. In, I've never thought of it such. I also think it's very funny. We're like three white guys. We can't even define punching down. We're like, oh, no, I've never experienced. I don't know what it is. So I, don't, uh, I don't know. I've heard tell, but uh, no, I have no idea. This is all very theoretical, right? We do seem like yeah, we're like aliens talking about you know all these humans. How interesting. Come on, let's talk about sex. This is from Louis C.K.'s 2013 special. Oh my God. I don't know the name of the pit because it's off his special. I've that never was seen four it. years ago already. Yeah, right. Is it his opener? It's his opener, and it's and I'm calling it uh, "Old Lady and Old Dog." <laughs> oh, I love this pit yeah. so much. <laughs> I love traveling and seeing all the different parts of the country. I live in New York. Uh, 
I live in a... That, that, there's no value to you doing that. <laughs> I, live, I live in New York. I love it. I always... Like, there's this old lady in my neighborhood, and she's always walking her dog. She's always just... She's very old. She just stands here just being old. And the dog just fights gravity every day. The two of them, it's really... The dog's got a cloudy eye, and she's got a cloudy eye. Stand there looking at the street in two dimensions together. And, and she's always wearing like this old this sweater dress. I guess it was a sweater when she was like five foot ten, but now it's just like this sweater. And her legs are oh, her legs are a nightmare. They're just white with green streaks and bones sticking out and her legs are off. I saw a guy with no legs wheeling by, and he was like, ugh. <laughs> I want those. I'd rather just have air down here like I am. I'm to look down at that shit. I see these two all the time. And I always look at them, and I always think, God, I hope she dies first. I do! I hope she dies first for her sake. Because I don't want her to lose the dog. I don't think she'll be able to handle it. If she dies, if the old lady dies first, I'm not worried about the dog. Because the dog doesn't even know about the dog. Dog is aware of three inches around his head. He's living in two-second increments. The second he's in and the one he just left is all he knows about. But if he dies, this lady, she's going to be destroyed because this dog is all she has. And I know he's all she has because she has him. There's... If she had one person in her life, she would not keep this piece of shit little dog. Even if just some young woman in her building one morning were to say, good morning, Gladys, she'd be like, oh, good, and just flush him down the toilet. <laughs> 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 He'd get the biggest laugh either. But <laughs> dog just keeps bumping on the drain. <laughs> she gives up. Ends up just shitting on her dog for the rest of her life. God, that's so God, funny. So good. It's so good. Yeah, that's that was great. Is uh, that punching down? So I think it is. I, I would say it is, except for one moment in there. Yeah. Um. Uh, so he's punching down. She's old. She's a victim of age. When we all are going to experience it, if we're lucky. But it's he's, he's poking at her pain, her suffering, um, what it's like to be that. But old. technically, he's not making fun of it. Technically, I'm he's sure just he describing is. it. He's making fun of it. He she's, is, but in a like, old. But he, but isn't on. making fun of someone. If you're like, if you like, if Pete's like to bring it back, your father is dead. Mm-hmm. That's just a statement of fact. He didn't attach anything. Yeah, but his inflection is making fun of it. He's like, she, they just fight gravity. Like, he's making oh, fun of it. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's totally making fun of it. And we're loving him for it. No, I know. He's, I know he's making fun of it. But, like, it's also kind of, it's so much just, like, the reality of life. That I he's feel just like you stated. don't want to face that there's a victim in this shit. I don't know. I I I'm, I'm, I I want to agree with her. I'm just trying to formulate my thoughts, and it's kind of hard. I, I'm thinking. 
So he's like talking about this old woman. He's talking about gravity, not objective one. Okay. Uh, age. He's talking about that, but he's not like, Oh, old women. I feel like punching down an obvious thing of, of, of punching down would be old women are unfuckable or something like that. And then, yeah. you know what I mean? Like kind of making a, I don't know, like that, that, that would be an obvious thing of punching down, but he's just talking about two, he's just talking about like the humiliation of humans. Like that's, that's our, that's our reward after mm-hmm. a long life is to be humiliated. Mm-hmm. And we have a partner and that's a dog mm-hmm. and that's even a greater humiliation is that, that that's, you can't even find another person. You no. can't even find another person. But, yeah. but in particular, it's an age thing. Joke, I think it's an old woman thing. It's this, I, I get that. There's a deeper, wider human truth that he's getting at. Which is what makes why I chose this mm-hmm. is that with um, Jesselnik, it's a perfect example of dark humor for the sake of a joke. Yeah. It's just a joke. <clears throat> but with him, and why I love it so much, and why I think Louis speaks to so many people, is he's using dark humor, sure. I would argue there's a victim in this. Sure, it's this poor old lady, all right, and her age and all of that. But the but but then underneath all of that is this deep empathy mm-hmm. for what's going on to, with her and everybody else. And he even says it because he goes, he stops and he's making fun of all these things. I hope she dies first. And then he back and he, then yeah. he flips it on you right away to show you where his heart is. Cause I don't think she could handle it. Mm-hmm. He's empathizing mm-hmm. with her situation. And I think that's still dark humor, but it gives us, it, it helps us deal with what we are. And where what's ha- going to happen to us? I bet he looked at her one morning and like almost cried because he was like, "I'm so sad." <laughs> and then that's where, well, that's when right, the best, right? Yeah, it's, right. You're, I think you're totally right. Well, I think you picked a great uh, clip to kind of like a nice summation. I think that's it's, it's uh, dark humor comes from a place of benevolence sometimes. Mm-hmm. I think usually, I think it's, I think it's a, it's a deeply sensitive guy. Right, he's deeply sensitive, but it's also right. It's it's coming from a place of love. Like, oh, it's isn't it terrible? It's humiliating. And then mm. again, it's the undercutting of you can't be too mawkish about it. You can't be too like sentimental because that's not funny. It's just mm. you could talk about how horrible it is and the injustices of a lady, but then you got to talk about how she's shitting on a dead dog, dead dog that she couldn't flush down the toilet. And it's just to me. All right, I, now we're removed. Now uh-huh. we're gone again. Mm-hmm. So it's great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you can you dip I, in, you come out. I lo- and I, lo- I love him for that. I love, uh, I love Louis for a lot of reasons. Um, but from, but the, the empathy that he brings to his comedy, mm-hmm. I think is something I definitely aspire to. Yeah. 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 I think that's, that's the, uh, that's, that's the thing. dad. All right. A huge thanks to our guest, Peter Ravello. Thank you guys. Oh, he, yeah. uh, Peter is once eventually when he starts to build up another library of material, Check him out. Uh, oh, in yeah. the meantime, follow him on Twitter. Be a great follower. His Twitter account is a brilliant reflection of his writing ability, and his website is a brilliant reflection of his laid-back nature in that it doesn't exist. <laughs> doesn't exist, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Off the grid. His Twitter account, again, totally worth it, is at Peter underscore Revello. That's R-E-V-E-L-L-O. Peter, common spelling. Again, Peter underscore Revello. That's Twitter. Special thanks to our Lord George Carlin, Anthony Jess. Nick and Louis C.K. And as always, a big, huge thanks to Salt and Peppa for not suing us <laughs> yeah. or not yet suing us for using their ever so fairly and ever so modified tiny smidgen of their now basically unrecognizable song. Let's talk about sets. Let's talk about sets. Let's talk about sets.